We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lords by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lordsdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Welcome, everyone. Happy Easter. If you don't go to Our Lady of Lords, if you're a visitor tonight, if you're here for one of uh, our beloved uh, catechumens or candidates, I want to welcome you. Thank you for coming. Uh, if you're not Catholic, I especially want to welcome you. Thank you for celebrating with us. Uh, at Lords, we talk about Greek all the time because that's how we roll. So <laughs> I want to teach you that the Easter greeting in ancient Greek is that when you see someone, you say, Christos Anesti, which means Christ is risen, and the response is Alithos Anesti, which means he is truly risen. So Christos Anesti, Alithos Anesti. Amen. Amen. He is truly risen. Before we jump in tonight... I always forget to do thank yous, and I just want, you have no idea, until you have become a priest or someone who works in liturgy, you have no idea how much work goes into these things. And I always sit in my chair in the dark and just hope I'm doing things right. And I'm not kidding. I'm like sitting there, and I'm like, okay, Lord, am I next? Okay, cool. They sang. All right, great. <laughs> Didn't miss my part. <laughs> You have no idea how much work goes into this. And so I just want to thank, I want to thank our sacristans, um, Annalisa, Alejandra, Rachel, Dorothy, and Dale. They work their tails off. They work harder than I do. They have been here just, they basically, we were putting like little cots under the stage for them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Our musicians, you guys are unbelievable. You move me to tears. Thank you. You are so amazing. I want to thank our servers. We have two of our seminarians here tonight. These guys will be priests in a couple years. Thank you for your vocations. Thank you for serving. Donald is a high schooler who is working his tail off to serve Mass uh, because he loves Christ. Thank you, Donald. Thank you to our lectors, our ushers, and everyone else who I am going to forget. But here's what I really want to thank is you guys. The people in these first three rows tonight... Uh, you mean the world to me? It's funny, after uh, six months or two years, how long has it been, of RCIA, I forget your guys' names, I, but I, you have no idea how much I love you. RCIA, every Wednesday night where we talk about Christ and his church, is the highlight of my life. And I love you guys. I want you to get ready to not fit in in the world. Because <laughs> from now on, you're going to be awkward. You might have been already, but now you're going to be awkward for a different reason. <laughs> and it's coming. I never thought I was that awkward. Some people say I was. And then I became a priest, right? <laughs> and it's awkward, let me tell you. And not just when I'm with Father Mike. <laughs> But I want to talk tonight about you're not going to fit in anymore. You're not going to fit into the world, and you shouldn't because God has something so much better for you, so much better. Praise Jesus for that. Christos Anesti, Alithos Anesti. 
He is truly risen. You know, today, right now, if you walk around Denver, there's lots of change in the world, right? And I, in our neighborhood here around Lourdes, I'm always amazed as we drive around these neighborhoods, and everywhere you go, they're tearing down these old houses, right? And they're, they're putting up duplexes, and they're, they're, they're these modern, really sharp duplexes. And you walk around, and I just think, wow, the neighborhood is really changing. There's money coming in. Everything's different. And I wonder sometimes, I wonder, before you know it, some of these houses that were built in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s, they're not going to fit in anymore. Right? Denver's growing so fast that everything's different. And the houses like the, the one that I live in, it's, it's not going to fit in anymore. It's going to stand out. People will look around and they'll say, oh my gosh, how did that house survive? Remember, did you see the movie Up? Love that movie. So good, right? When they have the little house and there's all like skyscrapers next to them. That's Denver. Don't go though. We got to evangelize Denver. So I need you. But things change. They're changing like crazy. And you start to wonder if things fit in anymore. There's something else the past two weeks that happened that's just like that. There's another relic. You look at these houses and you think that's a relic of a bygone age. It's like my grandmother's house. When I was a kid, we'd grow up, we'd go to Grandma Jane's house. And I love Grandma Jane. But you know how your grandparents' house has that smell? Remember that? And you're just like, why? How do old people's houses smell like that? Like, there's like a new like essential oil, like old people's smell. Right? <laughs> this is a different Easter vigil this year. But it did. And it was like Grandma Jane's house, I loved it, but it was so different. It didn't fit in, right? My grandma's house, I loved going to my grandma's house, but he didn't fit in. It wasn't like my parents' house. It wasn't like every other house I knew. It had grandma's smell. And there was all kinds of old Catholic relics everywhere. And you wonder, it's like, it felt like I love Grandma Jane, but it's her house is this relic of a bygone age. This week and last week, our attention was drawn to something just like that, a relic of a bygone age. It's called Notre Dame in Paris. I don't know what you felt as Notre Dame burned. I had all kinds of different emotions. I was, I was heartbroken. I've never been there. But I know it's one of the most beautiful buildings that human beings have ever made. I know that it is, a, it is theology in stone. It's a symbol of an age when men and women loved God more than they loved themselves. And it was a relic of a bygone age. Right around the year 2000, I should have looked it up, but it was right around that time, George Weigel, some of you know him, he's a Catholic intellectual, he wrote this great, great book called The Cube in the Cathedral. And in that book, he compares Notre Dame Cathedral to what the modern age of Paris builds. And right around that same time, Paris had built this giant hollow cube. I don't know why. I really don't. But if you go to visit, George Weigel opens his book and he tells you, if you go to visit the cube in Paris, they will boast to you that Notre Dame Cathedral can fit inside this giant cube that they built. And I wondered this week, I was praying and going crazy all week because there's so much to do. But I was praying with that all week as Notre Dame burned. 
how do we think about this as Christians? And I don't know fully the answer to that. There are others who speak better to these things than I do. But I will tell you this. Notre Dame, for me at least, it was this unbelievably beautiful, ornate, mysterious building that didn't fit in. Because the people of France no longer love Jesus Christ. And they no longer love him. The men and women who built that cathedral did over centuries. Right? The, the, I know you all probably know this better than I do. I don't follow the news as, as much as some people. Notre Dame is 856 years old. But I think people, and I have been to, for instance, Westminster Abbey in London. And if you go there, you walk through that cathedral, and it's gorgeous, but it's a museum. It's no longer a place that's alive, that's filled with men and women who love God. It just feels like something that belongs in a different time, like Grandma Jane's house. I don't know if Notre Dame has the old person's smell. It has incense, probably. We can't have incense because we're in a gym. Sorry, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. Why do you come here? I have no idea. <laughs> Here's my point with all of this. All of this, this imagery, brothers and sisters, and especially my beloved catechumens and candidates. What the world thinks right now is that Christianity is like Notre Dame Cathedral. It has its beauty. It has its artisanship. There's a magnificence to it. But it's from a bygone age. And it doesn't belong in our modern world. And I know that your families and friends have said that to you. This year, tonight, on this most sacred night, my dear brothers and sisters, we have 17 people who are becoming Catholic in a year when we had the worst church scandals in a thousand years. Or maybe 500 if you count the Reformation. It's debatable. 500 years. We have the worst church scandals we've had in 500 years this year. And people say, how is Notre Dame still standing? How is the Catholic Church still stand? How is there a community in the center of Denver that seems alive with joy and love and faith? Amazing. G.K. Chesterton, if you don't know him, you can't be Catholic. <laughs> I know we haven't covered that yet in our CIA. G.K. Chesterton says this, this great book. C.S. Lewis said that this was the best uh, defense of the Christian faith he ever read. It's called The Everlasting Man. And Chesterton says this, and I love this. He says, Christendom, right? The, the, the kingdom of God on earth. Christendom 
has had a series of revolutions, and in each one of them, in each one of them, Christianity died. Chesterton goes back and he looks at history, and he says there have been many occasions when Christianity was thus to all appearances hallowed out from within by doubt and indifference. Hear that again. There were many occasions when Christianity was thus to all appearances hollowed out from within by doubt and indifference. My brothers and sisters who are Catholic, I don't know if this is your experience, but that's how I felt the church was growing up. It was hollow. It didn't have the vital force of faith, hope, and love. It felt empty. It was to all appearances hollowed out from within so that only the old Christian shell stood as the pagan shell had stood so long. But the difference is this. The difference is that in every case, every time in history where that's happened to the church, the sons and daughters were fanatical for the faith where the fathers and mothers had been slack about it. One last line, Chesterton says, in the history of Christianity, oh, that's the wrong part, sorry. Christianity has died many times. And it has risen again. For it had a God who knew his way out of the grave. I don't mean to be poetic about this. I really believe it. I really believe it. In every age, people rejoice and they say the church is finally going to die in our time. And people are saying that today. Guess what else they said that? They said the same thing happened on Good Friday and Holy Saturday. The same thing happened. The enemies of Christ said he has died. It is over. In our gospel reading tonight from Luke chapter 24, even those who loved Jesus believed he was done. All hope, everything had died in the night. And all that was left to do was go home. Until Easter Sunday. Christianity has died many times. But it always rises because it has a God who knows his way out of the grave. And that's what you and I are going to see in our time. I'm convinced of this. I'm utterly convinced of this. What we see here at Lourdes, and I don't know, I don't want to be arrogant about it. Guys will be like, really, FB? He hasn't called me that. But, He's more like, really, chump? <laughs> but I do, I believe that, and I hope you're with me. 
Brothers and sisters, the world today doesn't believe in meaning. It does not believe in truth. It does not believe in morality. But you and I know different. And all the world will tell you that the Christian hope and the hopes of raising families and living a good life in this world, that they've all died. Do not listen to them. Do not listen to them. They have said the same thing in every age. In every age they have said, finally the church is dead. But Christ comes out of the grave. For your life, my dear brothers and sisters, my catechumens and candidates, the same is true of you. And I want to share this with you tonight. In the ancient church, you might not know this, all of us, you may not know this. In the ancient church, when people got baptized, what they did is they, they would stand up, and they were usually adults, and they would face the west, because the west was where the sun set. It was the place of darkness. And they would reject Satan and sin and evil. Then they would turn and they would face the east, the sunrise, the direction of the resurrection. And they would profess their faith in God. And then what would happen is they would be stripped of their clothing and they would walk into the waters of baptism. They'd walk out and they'd be clothed in a white garment. And they would be new members of the church. And St. Paul makes reference to this. He talks about the baptism liturgy. He talks about the early Christians who were baptized. And he says this, and this is for you. And I know you guys aren't getting baptized, but this is for you and this is for all of you. St. Paul says that taking off those clothes, when you go to get baptized, when you take off your clothes, that is your old life. And all of you who become Catholic, and all of you who already are, brothers and sisters, Christ is risen from the dead. Which means that your old life, your life of sin, has to die. He says, put to death what is earthly in yourselves. Put it to death, immorality, impurity, passion evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. We do not, as Christians, all of us at one time lived for pleasure and power and money and prestige. May those things die in the water tonight. Put them all away from you. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and foul talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old man, that is your old life. Brothers and sisters, put off your old life. It has no place in Christ. It was crucified on the cross. It died with him. And now you are to live the new life of the resurrection. Put off the old man with his practices. And put on the new man. The new man who is being created in knowledge after the image of his creator. And if you're not getting baptized tonight, if you haven't been baptized, come on up. We got room for you, right? What more do you want out of life? But if you've been baptized, 
this happened on the day of your baptism. Right? You have to put off that old life. In my life, I've got to do that. I still wrestle with it. But Jesus, I want to put away my impurities, my immoralities, my wrath, my hatred, my jealousies, my vanity, my lies. May they die in the waters. Put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, and patience, forbearing one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, right? This is the new life. When you guys put on that white garment tonight, that's a symbol of your new life in Christ. Our vestments, right? The clergy wear white. And it's meant to remind me, right, that I have a new life in Christ. And that old part of me that is full of deceitfulness and self-love and selfishness and the seven deadly sins, the day I was baptized, they died in the waters. And they are to have no place in me. Forbearing one another, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And here's the best part. Colossians 3.14. And over all of these things put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I used to live as a person, and some days I still do, that life is all about me. And the only place I let God have in my life was a place where he came to fix things when I was in trouble. But that's not Christianity. My invitation to you, candidates and catechumens, we've got a mission here at Lourdes. It's the best mission on earth. It's the mission of the Catholic Church. It's the mission of Jesus Christ. It's the mission to bring the message, the good news of salvation to every person on earth. And I need you. I need you. I need you to not be a Catholic who lives it half-heartedly and lukewarmly. I need you to not be a Catholic who lives as if life is about career and money and pleasure and power, and then, I, oh, by the way, I'm a Catholic on the side. I don't need Catholics like that. I need Catholics on mission. The church has died in every age. Your friends think you're crazy, don't they? That was a yes. <laughs> the church dies in every age because Christianity isn't like an inheritance in a bank account. You don't just get to hang on to it and put it in your bank account. Christianity is like the promise spouses make on their wedding day. It is a tremendous gift, but it doesn't just sit there. You've got to own it. You've got to live it. And that's what we're doing here in the church. And that's what you're called to. In every age, the church has died. But it always came back.
Because Christianity has a God who knows his way out of the grave.